Before we get into this episode, thank you so much to Jessica on Patreon for requesting that we discuss a season of Channel Zero. This is a very different thing. I usually don't do this with a Patreon, but hey, this episode and the next two episodes of the Channel Zero variety are brought to you by Jessica from Patreon. So Jessica, thanks so much, and thanks for sticking it out and waiting. Uh, doing this whole TV thing took a little longer than most of my requests and whatnot, but I hope you enjoy it. Thanks, Jessica. So if you want to make us watch a specific movie, um, not really TV show, this is like a one-off kind of thing. <laughs> this was like a special circumstances kind of thing. But if you want to make us watch a specific movie and then listen to us talk about it on the show, head over to patreon.com slash soup and navigate to the Pick a Movie tier. And did you know that we do more than five completely exclusive bonus episodes every single month on Patreon? Maybe that isn't for you. So consider getting yourself some stickers, listen to ad-free episodes, watch me, watch trailers of movies that are discussed on the show, uh, occasional early access to episodes, vote as a community and a bunch of other stuff it's all on patreon.com slash horror soup and real quick thank you to savannah recius recius Brittany, stephanie carillo carrie ahern casey russell related to kurt russell andreas grebos august ho horst ho horst ho horst ho horst victoria low brian paul Rihan. that's ryan with a h casey franks franks erica skeen skeener Tiffany Powell, Stephanie Klingan, Elena Mettler, Ashley Farley, Susanna Violante, Brianna Brunson, the OG, and of course, last but not least, Kim Wilson. Had to finish that off with the dudes. And finally, make sure you follow the podcast Instagram at Horsoup to contact me, find episode updates, find episode updates, merchandise, and much more. The obedience, my little deviants. Together we will find the right ingredients. We will serve a group that is the horror soup. And the last thing you will find is the spaghetti hoop. There's eyes and flies and anything that dies. There's a nasty surprise in every be like having sex with a person whose entire body is made up of teeth oof very uncomfortable but like explain it to me like in detail in graphic detail mm, okay like where do you start do you like do like some sensual it's rubbing be pokey. first it's i don't think you can because do they even feel anything through the teeth, you know? like As far as I know, teeth have, like, you know, there's, like, a lot of nerves and, like, endings and other stuff. I feel like, you know, depending on how much you rub, you know, maybe it's, like, a sensual teeth rubbing. Huh. I'm trying it. It's not working. Okay, but what about the other end? Like, for people that like biters? This is, like, a all-over biter. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, that could work out. I just, where's... Is there an orifice other than its mouth? Oh, other than the mouth? Yeah. I think so. I think it's probably covered by teeth. It's like, you know how, like, clitoris have, like, a hood? This is like the, it's like, (laughs) the clitoral hood is just made of teeth. Look, I'm not saying that this is, like, ideal. I'm just saying, like, what do you... 
how do you go about it? Do, I don't, you know, like what would you man, do in I this situation? That, I just don't know that you do. I don't know that you do. You just leave it you alone. Know? You think? Like maybe maybe teeth people just need other teeth people, and that's just the way it has to be. Like you think so? I don't know. Maybe the teeth person can meet a chewing gum person, and it it all works out. Okay. Well, I'm Caleb, and when I'm not stalking <laughs> Harry Potter merch at your local Hot Topic, I'm speaking condescendingly, condescendingly. Con, I'm con, 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 I'm being a cunt with James from cunt. Night Shift Video. God, that is the best description of horror soup ever. <laughs> that was amazing. Thanks, I pre-wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Horror Soup, the show that's only cool and hot topic. And today, we're discussing the first season of the sci-fi horror television show, Channel Zero. Channel Zero, man. This is very different from, I'd say, most other Horror Soup episodes that have ever dropped. Uh, we're pretty much going to be doing a three-parter of this. We're going to be talking about the first two episodes of the first season of Channel Zero on this one. The next one, we'll do three and four. The one after that, we'll do five and six, obviously. I probably didn't have to say that all out loud. But I think this is going to be a fun venture. This is a very interesting horror TV show. It's it's different talking about them, though, you know? Like, I don't... I don't like doing one-offs because then I feel like I'm not talking about the whole show and I'm not getting the whole gist of the season. Right, yeah. But then it's also a lot to just watch a whole season of a TV show it and is. then get it ready and for an episode. When you brought this up to me, I was like really strapping in because I was like, oh shit, I got to do a whole season. But at the end of the day, it's seven episodes, right? Like six episodes and they're all like 45 minutes long. Sorry, yeah, six episodes. And it's like, ah, yeah. It's fine. Yeah, and they're all like 45 minutes long. Like, really, it's a very easy watch. You could watch this whole season in like half a day. Yeah, it's like it's like two movies, right? Uh, yeah, uh, kind of like, I'd say more like three movies, but yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not bad. It's it's a movie plus like a stupid long movie, you know? It's like, it's like a movie plus a Lord of the Rings three-hour cut. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take that, you know? I mean, it does feel like just one long movie. And, I mean... It does, yeah. I, look, I had a really fun time watching this. Absolutely. Did you already finish the whole season, or are you halfway through right now? I'm halfway through. Uh, I haven't proceeded because I got sidetracked by the other uh, horror TV show. I had to get my... I had to catch up on Stranger Things before, you know... Completely fair and reasonable. Did you finish Stranger Things yet? I did, yeah. So did I. Can we like talk about it for a second without like spoiling? <laughs> yes, we can. Yes, we can. I have I have major non-spoilery thoughts about it for sure. So I just want to tell you right off the bat. Um, I thought there was one more episode in the season. What was there? Seven episodes. Yes, I thought there was eight episodes. So when I finished the seventh one. I thought I was getting another episode. I thought I was going right into it, and I was fucking stoked. I was like, oh, my God, so much happening right now. I have one more. This is going to be crazy, whatever's happening in this one. And then it told me that I was done until June or July 1st. And uh, at first, I thought it said June 1st, too. And I was like, oh, that's fine. I could wait, like, a couple days. I'm very upset. <laughs> Which means that it works. <laughs> Which means their tactic 100% worked on you. Look, that last episode was fucking insane. <laughs> My jaw was dropped the entire time. It was, it was, it was. So much happened. I mean, I, I wish we could spoil everything right now. I'm so happy that we're on the same page. Uh, I wanted to talk so much shit about this season. Like, I went into it being like, we had to wait too long. They spent $30 million per episode. They're doing this thing where they're only dropping 
part of it and then the the end of it's coming later like this is gonna suck this is gonna be horse shit i kind of felt the same way a little bit and you know what i think this might be like the greatest season like ever <laughs> fuck me i was wrong fuck me i was wrong i was i will be the first to admit i have talked so much shit about the duffer brothers fuck me they're amazing like they do no wrong from here on out. Like, <laughs> so I'm on the. I have not talked a lot of shit on them. I kind of just like you know trust the process one, and I'm fine with it. I didn't like the last season like as much as I liked season one and two, but I also did. I don't know. Like it was ups and downs. Like there were parts of it that I yeah. really liked more than the other seasons, but there were parts of it that I was like, eh. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, when this came around, I didn't know how I was gonna feel about it. I was like, you know what? It's been years. Like I don't even remember what happened in the end of the last season and whatnot. And I thought that was going to like be detrimental for my watching experience and no didn't affect it whatsoever did not care even the stuff that i was like yeah. oh, i kind of don't really remember how this went down or like why this is happening did not give right. a shit it was so fucking cool that i disregarded everything that i forgot it's so goddamn good even even as details were were leaked about like the setting and how like obviously we had this you know russia thing and then they were like oh and then we're doing this california thing i was like this is so dumb like this is going to be so ridiculous and stupid and then it comes out and it's fucking great just the opening of the first episode had me like oh okay so we're we're going this hard immediately i want to watch it again i want to watch it again I had a great time watching it. I want to watch the whole series now, honestly, just so I can yeah, like I really get do. the payoff of like going through the fourth season after watching everything like in a row. Mm-hmm. I think by the time the second part of the season comes out, I want to rewatch like everything for sure. Yeah, that's probably when I'll do it too. But yeah, I guess we won't talk too much more about it because if we go any farther, we're gonna get into like spoiler territory. But really, just yep. <laughs> I guess the main thing is that if you have been holding off on watching Stranger Things season four because you're not sure about it. Go watch it. It is watch so it. good. It yep. is so good. Like, I would say it's like, this season is like on par with like everything Breaking Bad ever did. Yeah, man. This is just good. It's just good TV. Okay, so we're going to do this episode very different because we have six 45-minute episodes making up season one of Channel Zero, and we're going to discuss each of them individually before we wrap up and decide how we feel about the entire story of Candle Cove. But we can get a few things out of the way. The entire first season is based on a short, roughly eight-minute-long creepypasta written by Chris Straub called, you guessed it, Candle Cove. More on that soon. The series was created by Nick and Tosca, who co-produced 13 episodes of the Hannibal TV series, which aired from 2013 to 2015, wrote the story Tentacles, which is part of Hulu's Into the Dark horror anthology series, which I'm familiar with because the movie's Pilgrim, They Come Knocking, and recently I watched Puka. Did you ever watch Puka? Puka's pretty good, yeah. I kind of like Puka. I don't know. I feel like people hyped Puka a little too much, because I feel like everything I heard about it, people were like, Puka's fucking awesome. And then when I watched it, I was like, it's <laughs> like it's cool. Like it, it, It's fine. It's not like game-changing or anything, but... Yeah, it's just a it's just a cool modern take on kind of a Elmo doll, almost sort of a yeah Elmo Chucky even yeah, kinda, yeah. you know yeah Gremlins. It's cool. I mean, there's some funny moments in there. I mean, when that dude's just standing outside of like Homegirl's house, just like in the Puka costume, and she's just like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Like that shit's hilarious. Yeah, it's good. It's good. <laughs> Into the Dark does some interesting stuff, but I mean, They Come Knocking is probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life. So it's the one with the little kids, right? The, the father's day one where they're just like in an RV. Yeah. 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 Worst thing I've ever seen, but you know, it's fine. <laughs> but most interesting, Nick also created the new Netflix show, brand new cherry flavor, which I haven't seen yet, but I've heard nothing but good things about it. Yeah. Same. And he was also an ex- an executive producer on sci-fi's new Chucky TV series. 
Oh, son of a bitch. Look at that. And while the entire first season features a handful of writers, all six episodes are directed by Craig William McNeil. And Craig directed the 2018 Lizzie Borden movie, Lizzie, the one starring Kristen Stewart, which also features appearances from Fiona Shaw, who is a main character in season one of the show that we're discussing today. She's uh, Marla, the mom. Yeah, yeah. But that's about all the information I have on Craig McNeil, aside from the fact that he also directed the first two episodes of the new I Know What You Did Last Summer reboot, which oh, no. were the episodes that made me, you, and Kim turn the show off. So, <laughs> like, everything that we all collectively heard is that it gets Oof. a little better after those episodes, but those were the episodes right. that made us shut it off, so... <laughs> Yeah, doesn't bode well for this guy. Sorry, buddy. Take that as you will. I mean, you know, McNeil, I don't know. Just, I, I didn't like those episodes, is what I'm saying. <laughs> but the first season of Channel Zero stars none other than Paul Schneider. Recognize that name? Maybe? No? I barely recognize his face at first. <laughs> I, actually, I didn't like it all. Like, I kind of did. I was like, there's something that I've seen you somewhere. It's Mark Brandanaquitz. There is no way <laughs> I would have ever figured that out. Like, this is like seven years after his Parks and Recs days. And I'd say he looks way better. Like, he looks good. He looks great, honestly. He looks in good. This. Yeah, he looks good in this show. He looks way better than he did when he was fucking uh, Mark. <laughs> like, way better. <laughs> he looks like a different person. I don't know if it's just the curly hair, if it's, like, you know, the little, like, five o'clock shadow he has going on, or, like, the fact that it looks like... I think he lost a little bit of weight, too, possibly. Yeah, he... You know, it's just uh, some people... Some people age like wine. He definitely did, because I didn't think that yeah. dude was, like, a good-looking man whatsoever. But then when I saw him in this, I was like, you're... Not terrible looking. Mark got hot. Mark had a glow up. Yeah, dude. I mean, he was horrifying at a time. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it wasn't that bad, but... Just sitting there like, Rashida Jones, what the fuck? <laughs> so, Fiona Shaw, she's Mike's mother, Marla Painter. She's also Aunt Petunia in Harry Potter, Abby Borden in Lizzie, and last but not least, her magnum opus, Marnie Stonebrook in True Blood. She's a witch bitch, my man. Mm. I recognize her immediately because... If an actor is in True Blood, and they or they ever were at one point, that's all I know them for. Right. I disregard anything else they've ever been in. I'm like, you're the one from True Blood. <laughs> that's great. Uh, yeah, I love her. I love her in this as Marla. Marla's great. Yeah, I think you would really love her in um, in True Blood, too. I mean, she's kind of a fucking psycho, but she, honestly, she's way more <laughs> likable in this, actually. I take that back. After If you watched her in this and then went to True Blood, you'd be like, okay, get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> Um, there are obviously a ton of other people throughout the season, but we'll get to them when it's necessary so this intro doesn't become any longer than it already is. I do also want to note, though, since there are currently no plans to cover the rest of the series, as in, like, season two, three, etc., blah, 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 later seasons have appearances from iconic horror actors and actresses such as Rudger Hauer, Barbara Crampton, and even Steven Weber. Pretty cool. And I've heard that the Rudger Hauer uh, season is, like, top tier. And I honestly just love Steven Weber. And Barbara Crampton, so I feel like they have to be good automatically, right? I know, right? Yeah. The producing credits really interested me, though. One of the executive producers is Max Landis. Does that name sound familiar to you? Um, like John Landis? Max Landis is the son of John Landis. Oh. And if you guys don't know who John Landis is, director of National Lampoon's Animal House, writer of American Wolf in London, Clue, that John Landis. Yeah, interesting. I didn't know his son was in the entertainment industry, honestly. I saw the Landis name, and I immediately thought, I was like, is that son or something like yeah. that? Brother, maybe? And uh, yeah, turns out it is. Very cool. Cool that he's like in horror, too. Yeah, awesome. 
and the supervising producer, none other than horror legend Don Mancini. Oh my god. This series has some really good roots in horror. Like, it has its foot in the door. It really does. And I didn't realize Don Mancini's involvement until watching it this time was like the first time that I noticed his name in the credit roll. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. Like, I watched this whole thing. Like, when it first came out, and I had no idea that Don Mancini was involved. <laughs> so I didn't watch this when it first came out, but I did watch this a couple times, like, in prep for this episode. And the first time I just watched it all the way through, I didn't write notes or anything. The second time I wrote notes, I didn't notice the first time I was watching. I think maybe I was just, like, casually watching, so I wasn't paying attention. Right, same. But then the second time I started up, you know, I start, like, the first or second episode or whatever, and it's, like, Don Mancini. And I was like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> it was, like, one of those points where, like, my brain literally was, like... Well, that can't... No, I'm confused. I'm thinking of someone else. Like, Don Mancini isn't who I think Don Mancini is, right? <laughs> I was like, no, that guy's name's not Don Mancini. And then, like, I look it up, like, oh, shit, that is Don Mancini. Like, that is that guy. Holy shit. <laughs> so, Candle Cove holds a 86% from critics on Rotten Tomatoes and a solid 80% from the audience with an overall IMDb rating, and that's throughout, like, all the seasons, of uh, 7.1 out of 10, which, pretty damn good. Solid. Pretty damn good. But I don't want you all to have to stop the podcast and go and read this story because this whole thing is based off of a creepypasta. So me and a couple buds, me, James, James' wife, Hannah, and our friend, Devante, all recorded a script read of the OG creepypasta to get everyone up to speed. So uh, we're just going to play that right now real quick, and then we'll get into this. Skyshell 033, subject, Candle Cove Local Kids Show. Does anyone remember this kid's show? It was called Candle Cove, and I must have been six or seven. I never found reference to it anywhere, so I think it was on a local station around 1971 or 1972. I lived in Ironton at the time. I don't remember which station, but I do remember it was on at a weird time, like 4 p.m. Mike underscore painter, 65. It seems really familiar to me. I grew up outside of Ashland and was nine years old in 1972. Candle Cove. Was it about... Pirates? I remember a pirate marionette at the month... Wait. <laughs> I said month. Okay. At the mouth of a cave talking to a little girl. Yes. Okay. I'm not crazy. I remember Pirate Percy. I was always kind of scared of him. He looked like he was built from parts of other dolls. Real low budget. His head was an old porcelain baby doll. Looked like an antique that didn't belong on the body. I don't remember what station this was. I don't think it was WTSF though. Jaren underscore 2005. Sorry to resurrect this old thread, but I know exactly what show you mean, Sky Shale. I think Candle Cove ran for only a couple months in 71, not 72. I was 12, and I watched it a few times with my brother. It was channel 58, whatever station that was. My mom would let me switch to it after the news. Let me see what I remember. It took place in Candle Cove, and it was about a little girl who imagined herself to be friends with pirates. The pirate ship was called the Laughing Stock, and Pirate Percy wasn't a very good pirate because he got scared too easily. And there was Calliope music constantly playing. I don't remember the girl's name. It was uh, Janice or Jade or something. I think it was Janice. Thank you, Jaren. Memories flooding back when you mentioned the laughing stock in Channel 58. I remember the bow of the ship was a wooden smiling face with the lower jaw submerged. It looked like it was swallowing the sea and it had that awful Ed Wynn voice and laugh. I remember 
how jarring it was when they switched from the wooden plastic model to that foam puppet version of the head that talked. Haha, <laughs> I remember now too. Do you remember the part, Sky Shale? You have to go inside. Mike, I got a chill reading that. Yes, I remember. That's what the ship always told Percy when there was a spooky place he had to go in, like a cave or a dark room where the treasure was. And the camera would push in on Laughingstock's face with each pause. You have to go inside. With his two eyes askew and that flopping foam jaw and the fishing line that opened and closed it, it just looked so cheap and awful. You guys remember the villain? He had a face that was just a handlebar mustache above really tall, narrow teeth. Kevin underscore Hart, I honestly, honestly thought the villain was Pirate Percy. I was about five when this show was on Nightmare Fuel. That wasn't the villain, the puppet with the mustache. That was the villain's sidekick, uh, Horace Horrible. He had a monocle, too, but it was on top of the mustache. I used to think that meant he only had one eye, but... Yeah, the villain was another marionette, the skin taker. I can't believe they let us watch that stuff back then. Jesus H. Christ, the skin taker. What kind of kids show were we watching? I seriously could not look at the screen when the skin taker showed up. He just descended out of nowhere on his strings. Just a dirty skeleton wearing that brown top hat and cape. In his glass eye that were too big for his skull. Christ almighty. Wasn't his top hat and cloak all sewn up crazily? Was that supposed to be children's skin? Yeah, I think so. Remember his mouth didn't open and close? His jaw just slid back and forth. I remember the little girl said, Why does your mouth move like that? And the skin taker didn't look at the girl, but at the camera, and said, To grind your skin. I'm so relieved that other people remember this terrible show. I used to have this awful memory, a bad dream I had where the opening jingle ended, the show faded in from black, and all the characters were there, but the camera was just cutting to each of their faces, and they were just screaming, and the puppets and marionettes were flailing spastically and just all screaming, screaming. The girl was just moaning and crying like she had been through hours of this. I woke up many times from that nightmare. I used to wet the bed when I had it. I don't think that was a dream. I remember that. I remember that was an episode. No, no, no. Not possible. There was no plot or anything. I mean, literally just standing in place crying and screaming for the whole show. Maybe I'm manufacturing the memory because you said that, but I swear to God, I remember seeing what you described. They just screamed. Oh, God, yes. The little girl Janice, I remember seeing her shake. The skin taker screaming through his gnashing teeth, his jaw clenching so wildly. I thought it would come off its wire hinges. I turned it off, and that was the last time I watched. I ran to tell my brother, and we didn't have the courage to turn it back on. I visited my mom today at the nursing home. I asked her about when I was little in the early 70s when I was 8 or 9, and if she remembered a kid's show, Candle Cove. She said she was surprised that I could remember that, and I asked her, why? And she said... Because I used to think it was so strange that you said, I'm going to go watch Candle Cove now, Mom. And then you would just tune the TV to static and just watch Dead Air for 30 minutes. You had a big imagination with your little pirate show. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Credits to Hannah Hudson from the Fear Street Book Club podcast as Sky Shale 033. Me, as Mike Painter, I need to take my own credits. James Hudson from Night Shift Video as Jaren2005. And Devante, also from Night Shift Video, as Kevin Hart. 
Is that really Kevin Hart? No relation. <laughs> the plot for the first series is as follows. A child psychologist returns to his hometown to determine if his brother's disappearance is somehow connected to a series of similar incidents and a bizarre children's television series that aired at the same time. And with that, we're going to get into this. So, Season 1, Episode 1, it is titled You Have to Go Inside. It originally aired on October 11th of 2016. It received about 750,000 viewers, and it was written by creator uh, Nick Antosca. Anything you gotta say before we get into this, James? Um, no, I have, like, some good wrap-up thoughts about this one, but if we want to start jumping into it, we can go right ahead. Okay, sounds perfect. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The first season opens up with Paul Schneider, more commonly known as Mark Brandanowitz, from Parks and Rec. He is being interviewed by a talk show host. They mention the death of his little brother who passed away when he was just a kid. We don't immediately understand what's going on, but the first eight or so minutes does paint a picture that Mike Painter is having some mental troubles. First, we see him focusing on a dying fly in his cup during the interview, which, I mean, I might do that as well. I don't like flies in my water. And then he receives a call with some TV static and a voice saying, come back home, which you don't love to see. And then all the all the camera crew turn into mannequins. <laughs> they do turn into mannequins. You know, you, you kind of get the gist that this guy's crazy throughout the whole thing because he keeps saying he's not crazy, but he's definitely seeing shit. Yeah, things are happening in that head. And then we also get like a little clip of him like jamming a foreign object into his arm at one point. It wasn't too pretty. And as we move yeah. on from the colder intro, Mike heads into his hometown to reunite with his mother. It seems that they haven't seen each other in a while. She still has trauma from a past incident. It's all kind of just, you know, up in the air right now. But she is curious as to why he's shown up again. And he's like, hey, you know, I was in town. Turns out he wasn't. A lot, a lot has gone on the past couple weeks. After he's done having coffee with his mother, Mike goes to the police station to speak with an old associate named Gary. Uh, Gary kind of looks like an egg. Um, Gary's the worst. <laughs> Gary's just the worst. I don't like Gary at all. <laughs> when they're alone in his office, Mike tells Gary that he needs to obtain some files. Files relating to events that happened when they were children. We don't really know what they are right now, but he's like, yeah, it's been 25 years since they dragged those kids out of the woods. And then Mark, Mark goes, or, <laughs> and then Mike goes, minus the teeth. Which... I didn't know what was going on at this point. They're being very <laughs> ominous for the first, like, 15 minutes. Like, they're being so it's extremely ominous. extremely vague. And that's kind of what I love about it, really. And, like, my wrap-up thoughts, I won't get into all of them, but, like, I essentially think that this is a perfect first episode of a show. It just, it opens up so many goddamn, like, boxes of mystery, but, like, you don't really know what any of it actually means. And, you know, like, as the show goes on, like, does it pay off? Does it not? Like, you know, every show has those problems. But, like, it opens up so many boxes. We, we get introduced to, like, basically every mysterious thing in the first episode. I would agree. I think it's all very good in terms of watching it. It's just kind of hard to talk about it right now. And I'm just like, yeah, this thing's <laughs> happening. And I don't know what the fuck is going on. This thing's happening. I definitely don't know what that was. And then <laughs> next up, I'm still confused. 
Like, because I know all the answers right now, but I can't just say it right now. We're on the first right, fucking episode. Right, right. <laughs> so we see images of bloody dead corpses hanging from, like, the branches of trees. Crazy. And not exactly, like, they're not, like, hanging. It's not, like, hanging by a noose. It's, like, their bodies are, like, slumped over these branches. Yeah. Like, you know, like, when you, like, tie shoelaces together and you, like, throw them up? Yeah, like a, like a shoe tree, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, they look like that. Yeah, we have a we have a really famous shoe tree in Indiana. It's been there for like, like like hundreds of years. There's all kinds of shoes in it. That thing probably stank. It's crazy. So now we're at Sheriff's house. It's an awkward dinner because Sheriff Gary is married to Mike's ex girlfriend, and there was this whole thing where he's like, you know, I'm married to Jessica now, and he's like, you you gotta come, you gotta come for dinner, and he's like, I don't really know if I want to come for dinner. He's like, man, she'd never forgive me if you didn't. Plus, you gotta check out my kid. He's a little weird. He's like, he's kind of going off the deep end. It turns out his kid just likes watching the movie Labyrinth because he thinks David Bowie is cool, and he's like, <laughs> you see that? This kid's a fucking freak, huh? And then Mike's like. I, I don't think you have to worry about that, actually. <laughs> yeah. Also felt also felt like it, it, it seemed a little, like, homophobically charged, didn't it? What do you mean a little? That was full on. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Like, no, that was homophobia you were, you through You were touching through. on that part of it. So. That was homophobia through and through. <laughs> like, 100%. Like he was like, if my boy likes David Bowie, he must be a gay. <laughs> he literally... Because we'll find out later... That he was like bullying Mike like forever when they were like childs when childs when they were children and whatnot. So like they're not exactly like cool, you know, like they're not homies. They're it's, not like friends. No, like it seems like they're buddy buddy at first in this intro. Or like at least yeah. like, you know, it's like, oh, I haven't seen you in a while, blah, blah, blah. But they're really not friends, and we're gonna come to learn that they never really were friends. And then now no. he's dating his ex girlfriend or he's married to his ex girlfriend. So like Gary doesn't have any reason to invite him over to house like any real reason like oh you're my homie you know like let's go catch up blah 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 i don't think they really have that his only interest seemed to be that this guy's a psychologist and he was like hey you gonna you gonna tell me that my kid's broken because he likes david bowie because that's what i want to hear <laughs> like he just really wants it he just really wants mike to tell him that like just needed some kind of confirmation bias right that he can be like told you so yeah gary's an asshole <laughs> yeah he sucks um, and you can also tell, like, kind of early on that it seems like Mike and Jessica still have a thing for each other. Yeah, well, and it, it seems like really what happened is that they were just really close when they were young, and then he just kind of left. And so, like, they probably never had any kind of proper closure or anything. And then, you know, she just had to move on with her life. Yeah, that seems fair. I think they were, like, ten, though. Yeah. Picking up all the pieces. <laughs> <laughs> so after a bit, Mike gets up to use the restroom, and he walks by Gary's daughter's room, Katie. And at first he goes, hey, dog, I know your mom. You know my mom. That's pretty cool, huh? But then he notices something weird, and that something weird is that she was watching this cool, you know, puppet-slash-pirate show. But he didn't find it very entertaining, so he goes back to the dinner table in a mood. He's like, huh, do you guys, do you guys remember Candle Cove? And they all start to reminisce a bit. It's pretty much like just like the creepypasta. Like this is literally like I love how they incorporated it. It was very smart. Like how can we take the creepypasta and put it into film, you know? Yeah. And like doing it around a dinner table made so much sense. It was it was a good choice. Yeah, it went over really well cuz it's like, yeah, you do kind of want to still include like that story and like the lore of it and everything like Right, right. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they did it pretty well. So, the yeah, they all reminisce for a bit, and then they note that, like, 
none of them had ever told any of their kids about the show. So it was kind of weird that, you know, Mike is like, yeah, she's over there watching that right now. Yeah, and they, they all even were like, oh, that was so disturbing. There's no way they would put that back on the air. What are you talking about? Like, Yeah, because they all go into details about the show, and it's obvious that Mike has like a troubled past regarding the show, and then they all kind of are just like, eh, yeah, it was pretty creepy. So Mike gets annoyed, and he leaves, and then we see a flashback from when Mike was a child, back when he had a twin brother. His twin brother was named Eddie. And they're traveling around, they run into a group of bullies, and they bully Eddie ruthlessly, and they end it by breaking his finger. And then we also hear the name Gary get dropped. So, we watch yeah. Gary hold down Eddie while the main bully breaks his finger. Who was the main bully? Was that Tim? Or was that just some other guy? It's, um, Tim's brother, right? Oh, it was Tim's brother? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yep. So at the end of the flashback, we see Mike in his old room at night, and he hears his name from the corner of the room, and when he turns around, that skeleton dude from the show is standing in the corner. And he has this deja vu since he experienced the same thing as a child. Like, I guess he woke up in the middle of the night, and there's just a skeleton dude in his room. And it's like, kind of looks like a, a, a skull trooper from Fortnite. <laughs> 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 you wake up in the middle of the night, and your sleep paralysis demon is just a Fortnite character. <laughs> like, that's kind of the bummer, is I feel like... That, you know, yeah, that design does feel, like, a little less original now. <laughs> Whereas, like, at the time, it was probably, like, nobody had anything that looked quite like this. But, yeah. No, they did, because in Club Penguin, they had a, a skeleton outfit that looked just like it, too. <laughs> so, I mean, honestly, I think it was pretty goofy looking, but it's fine. I think Club Penguin invented it, actually. I um, I think Club Penguin invented skeletons. They did. We didn't even know they existed before Club Penguin. So in the morning after he gets up, there's also a person standing outside Mike's mother's house, ominously. We're going to find out later that that's Tim, but he's literally just, like, kind of creeping around, staring at her house. Yeah. Tim, and also, like, Tim is bald. Tim's weird, man. What business does he have being bald in this field? <laughs> Look, I'm just saying, go be bald in someone else's field. <laughs> Don't be bald in my field, bro. Look, if you're going to be bald... Do it somewhere else. Do it somewhere else. Take it out of here. I won't stand for this. <laughs> somewhere else. So after Mike leaves his mother's house, he goes to a breakfast spot and he speaks to his old school teacher for a bit. Her name is, uh, what is it? Frances Booth. Yeah, Creepy McCreeper Pants. Yeah, I don't like her at all. <laughs> She's just so scary. The fact that he's even, like, entertaining her for a second is ridiculous. Like, if this bitch walked up to me, like, okay, if it's, like, an old teacher and she's, like, nice or cool or whatever, that's one thing. But she's just walking up, she's like, the woman in the woods or something like that. I'd be like, bitch, you need to go to the woods. Get the fuck out of my face. Like, I'm trying to enjoy my breakfast and you're over here with this bullshit? Yeah, she's she's way too much, man. Like, and she rem she continues to be way too much for the entirety of the show. Yes, I mean, she's the fucking worst. <laughs> and what's so funny, too, is that, like, he kind of just has a conversation with her. He's just like, yeah, you know, you're always kind of a pain in the ass, blah, blah, blah. And he kind of just, like, disregards her. And then Jessica walks in the room, and he kind of just, like, ignores her completely. It's like Francis was not there anymore at that point. <laughs> he was like, the second he got, like, any inclination of, like, any, any way to get out of this conversation. Get me out of this. <laughs> So she shows up, and she alerts Mike that her daughter's missing, Katie. And uh, also, I guess we should just say, too, um, Mike's mom, Marla, is also, like, she, like, babysits Katie sometimes, right? Right, right, right. So uh, they have, like, I don't know, it's just like, a you know, they have a relationship, whatever. So they all head out to search, which also, I do kind of just want to note real quick, how long was she looking for Mike before she went to look for her daughter? 
It's a great question. I mean, she's at this, re- like, she, you know, she pulls into the restaurant. She's like, really Mike, I can't find her, blah, blah, come help me look. But I'm like, did you go there first? <laughs> like, did you have to go to a few places? Or are you just out here searching for this guy before you're searching for your missing child? <laughs> it's a really, really small town, though. That might be the only restaurant in the entire town. So, like, maybe she was just like, oh, is she here? Nope. Oh, hey, by the way, Mike, help me find my kid. How'd you even know he was at a restaurant? What if he left town? <laughs> He might have. She was just looking for her kid and was like, oh, is my kid at the restaurant? Oh, no, but Mike is. Hey, Mike, help me find my kid. I'd like to think that's what happened. Do you think that's what happened? Because I had the feeling that she was specifically looking for Mike. I think she absolutely okay, is specifically okay, looking okay. for Okay, okay, I'm on the same page. <laughs> just trying to write it away because the show's good. Yeah, this chick's a moron, though. <laughs> oh, my God. She is, and honestly, like, she continues, like, the same... The same way that so many of these characters are established in this episode and they continue to be that throughout the t- entirety of the series, she continues to be pretty dumb, like, just all the time. Yeah, I would have to agree. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So they head out to search, but right as it starts, we head back into flashback territory once more, and we see Mike and Eddie walking by the bully shortly after the incident where they broke his finger do you know which kid's finger they broke? They broke Eddie's finger. They broke Eddie's. Okay. 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 I, you know, when you watch this a couple times, it starts to oh, it yeah. starts to throw you off a bit. You guys will know what I mean <laughs> when we get to the end of this. So this time around, they think Eddie's being weird because he's standing around just staring at the bullies like they're trying to like make him flinch. He does not move. Like he's standing there like an alien just staring him down. Yeah. So Bully Dude sicks his big dog on them, which really is just a crazy move. I'm like... It's a crazy move. Like, that dog would have murdered them. Yeah. You would have had murder on your hands at 10 years old. Yeah, this isn't like, oh, like, boys will be boys, you know, some kids get picked on sometimes. Like, this was intense. This was an escalation. It's like it-level bullying. Right, right. Like, that's the only thing that I can compare it to, really. Like, they're on bikes, and then they plop up and they're like oh we're gonna fucking carve you up or something you know it's like right they're insane (laughs) these are some insane 10 year olds so the dog chases them but right before mike gets mutilated by it it stops lays down and then you're like okay what what are you doing dog but then it just slowly walks off to the side walking right up to eddie and then lays in front of him in a very like brainwashed kind of way yeah and eddie just kind of he stands there acting like he's god yeah, he's just, he's, I think that the flash, the flashbacks with the twin boys are probably my least favorite parts of the entire show. Really? Why's that? I just think that both of these boys are bad actors and they only got the job because they're perfect identical twins. I think it's just one person. I don't think it's two kids. Is it really? Yeah, it's just, no, that's just one kid. Well, then he sucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> i i don't know i didn't think they were that bad oh god it, it, you're like he stands there stone-faced like an alien that's what he does the entire show both of them both both characters i think that was the point are constantly though. just standing there like an alien i think that was a point though you know they're supposed to be like little weirdos <laughs> oh they nail that they nail that oh well and i was a little weirdo and I have a little weirdo. Yeah, so the dude who played, uh, yeah, he played Eddie Painter and Young Mike. So, yeah, he was both of them. His name is uh, Luca Velasquez. Damn. Yeah. That's that's good camera trickery. I just assumed they were actually twins. I did, too, until I looked that up, and I was like, oh, okay. And then when I watched it, I kind of, you could kind of tell, you, you know. You start after. paying attention to those angles, and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah yeah so we learn a bit more about the Candle Cove show when Mike says, the show just stopped, and now it's started up again. 
the show did something to my brother, and it has the ability to do weird things. We don't know what the weird things are, <laughs> but uh, apparently it has the ability to do weird things. That sounds oddly like, like, did you get a boner? I don't know. Whatever. Um, like, it just sounds, what do you mean it has the ability to do weird things? To do weird things. Was it like the time that I watched The Hills Have Thighs? <laughs> like, I don't know. Anyway. I had the ability to do weird things. So that's when Jessica drops the bomb that she knows that Mike was just released from the psych ward three days earlier, which we're also finding out at this moment. Ooh. So Jessica accuses him of knowing more than he's putting out, so she asks for full transparency, and I would say that Mike obliged, but most people don't appreciate you telling them that a cartoon from 1988 stole their eight-year-old, so I kind of get both sides. Yeah, 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 he, uh, he, he puts it all out there, he doesn't... <laughs> I mean, he told the truth, he told her what he, sh- what he knew. <laughs> She just, you know, she didn't want to, she didn't want the truth. It's not the truth you wanted to hear. And he tried to tell you that. So at this point, Jessica calls for her husband, Gary, to assist her with the psychopath that she's currently speaking to. But by this time she turns back around, Mike is gone. And like, it was fitting, but how? <laughs> like how? You're out in the open. Like his name's Mike. Dude, she slightly turned to the left. And then she turned back around. She's like, where'd he go? Dude, you're in a fucking cornfield. You're telling me you couldn't hear him walking away, stepping on all this fucking corn? Bro, because I'm telling you, she's just not that smart. She's a fucking idiot. Like, 100% <laughs> Jessica is an idiot. They wrote this character very, very low intelligence. I mean, yeah, she's not a person of brain, <laughs> is what I'm going to say. So now the whole gang is suspicious of Mike, and as is tradition, he goes to Gary and Jessica's house to talk to their other six-year-old. Because, you know, when in doubt, go talk to a six-year-old alone and out. I don't know. Um, that's the saying. Why was this six-year-old child fully alone when your other child is missing? I, I don't know. You're about to lose another child acting like this. <laughs> like, you just lost your older child while you're in the house with them, and then you leave your younger child to go look for your other child? Yeah. Look. It's pretty messed up. Carrie and Jessica, I said it two seconds ago, I'll say it again. Zero brain power. Zero. <laughs> Between the two of them. That's so true, dude. Gary does so much stupid shit, too. We're like... You even, like, can see it in his eyes. He's like, oh, I fucked up. He consistently knows he's doing the dumbest things possible, and he does nothing to solve his issues. So fucking annoying, dude. That's funny. So Mike asks Gary's son if he has any idea where his sister is. I think his name's Dane, right? Uh, Yeah, that sounds right. Dane Cook. That's the only reason I remember. Um... And that if he wants to see his sister again, don't shake your head at me like that. I don't like Dane Cook. I just remember the name. He's terrible. Okay. Look, just calm down. <laughs> so he asks if he has any idea where his sister is, and that if he wants to see her again, he has to tell him where she went. And he goes, what's the crow's nest? And then Mike goes, the oh my nest. god, light bulb in my head. I gotta go to the crow's nest. Let's do it. Let's go to the crow's nest. So he goes to the spot to get her, which is a spot that him and his twin used to hang out at, and bam, he just finds Katie sitting there. She's right there, seemingly uninjured. That is, until we see the tooth person crawling to where Katie was sitting and grabs the two teeth that were lying under her. Should we explain the tooth person? Uh... Is there anything to explain about the tooth person yet? There's a tooth person. I guess we don't know anything about the tooth person yet. It's a person made of teeth. We know that a person completely covered in teeth, a tooth child, if you will. They're probably about, like, between 10 to 12-ish, maybe, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a tooth child, and it. I think right at the end of this episode, is we see it connected to the person... That it's kind of connected to, right? We see that at the end of this episode. I think that's the next episode. Okay, never mind. Yeah, I think that's never the mind. next never one. Mind. I know what you're talking about, but yeah, yeah, yeah. We j- we only see it right here where it where it takes uh 
Katie's teeth, right? Yeah, because right after they walk away, like Mike has this quick second where he kind of looks off to the side and he hears like footsteps and whatnot. So he takes Katie, he walks off, and then that's when you see the tooth person crawl in on all fours, like on their hands and feet. Because it's like, it's a human by all means, it's just filled with teeth. And also, like, I hadn't seen the show until this year when I started watching it and whatnot. I'd seen this tooth person image before, and I always thought it was fucking terrifying. Yeah, Shudder uses it for a lot of, like, ads and promotions oh, and stuff. yeah, Because that's it's true. a great design. <laughs> they do, huh? I was wondering why I'd seen it so many times. Yeah, they use it a lot. Why do they do that? Because they have exclusive rights to the show. Oh, okay. It's, you can't watch it anywhere else. Yeah, I did watch it on Shutter. That makes sense. Wasn't it on Netflix before? It was. Okay, didn't, wasn't it on Netflix just like a few months ago? No. No? No. Oh. I think it's been a couple of years. Oh, okay. I thought I watched it the first time. Okay, well, none of this conversation. But everyone's probably like, shut the fuck up. Talk about the, <laughs> talk about the show. <laughs> talk about the teeth, kid. Anyway, let's move on from the teeth, kid. So as far for where we are now, Mike went to the station for a bit. Gary doesn't trust him. He also realizes that bald dude was the guy snooping outside of his mother's house. That's Tim. He realizes it, yep. realizes it at this point. Yeah. After his release, Mike goes back to his mom's home and is putting ointment on his arm. And we finally get a glimpse of what he did to it, like why he got sent to the psych ward. It turns out he carved Mike come back home into his arm. Yep. He sure did. That's uh. That's a lot. That's a, it's a lot of words. That's a long sentence. When he pulled out his arm and we saw exactly what he did, I was like, you you must have been carving for a while. Like it wasn't even just come home. It was it was it was more than that. That's a lot of words to put on your arm. There was a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, dude. And the mom walks in his room as he's packing his stuff and she tells him that he doesn't have to leave, but he says he does. And then Mike's mom asks him, All right, so who made the show up? And Mike is like, uh, what are you talking about, Willis? And she says, you would both sit in front of the TV for hours, but nothing was ever playing. And at the end of the episode, he's in a hotel room and he gets a call from Eddie that says, Mike, where are you going? We're just getting started again. Dun, dun, dun. So, I mean, there's a lot of questions, not a lot of answers from this episode, but the atmosphere is 10 out of 10. The ominousity. Oh, oh, yeah. Is uh, ten out of ten, um, <laughs> bro. This thing literally, it opens up every box. We we introduce the main character. We already saw like the burning like straw man thing in Mike's dream, like that happens at the beginning. Um, the mental break of him carving the words into his arm. The history with his brother. The Candle Cove show. The idea that the show is fake. Jawbone being a villain. Um. Because we we also saw the guy dressed as Jawbone in the woods. Katie was kind of like possessed or whatever. Whenever Mike first finds her, and like, and how did she get out there? She doesn't really remember all that stuff. The missing children from years ago isn't is an open box. The bodies found in the trees is an open box. The fucking teeth kid is an open box. <laughs> like, it, there's just so many things. It does leave a lot of room for your imagination. <laughs> So the purpose of the first episode, was it to show that Mike went through something insane as a kid? He moved in for some time, or I mean, he moved on for some time, but then he had a breakdown revolving around his twin Eddie telling him to come home and solve the mystery of the cursed TV show. Is that what I'm supposed to get from this? Yeah, I think that tracks. I think it works out pretty well. I mean, it does leave a lot of, like James said, it leaves a lot of cliffhangers, a lot of stuff just open. Yep. And I mean, you are, you're also able to see how they were able to incorporate the the very, very small creepypasta um, into the first episode. And, I mean, essentially, if you just wanted to watch it 
for just that. Like, oh, I want to see the creepypasta as a show. Just watch the first episode. You don't even have to continue if you don't want to. If you want to know about all this other shit, keep watching. Honestly, yeah, that's true. Because I mean, like, <laughs> because basically the last thing that the mother says to him is like the end of the creepypasta. You know, it's like yep. you're just getting it from the mother's mouth instead of like Mike doing it on the message board. Right, exactly. So yeah, pretty cool. Uh, as for kills in this episode, because I'll do a kill count for each episode. We saw zero kills, but we did learn about Eddie's death and we did see about four four lifeless bodies on top of a tree. It'll be confirmed four in the next episode. Can't really tell at first. Yeah. So technically about five total if you wanted to count the off-screen slash post-mortem kills. Yep. As for boobs, there are zero boobs throughout the entire series, so I'll just shut that down yeah. real fast. There, there aren't going to be any <laughs> boobs. Uh, but yeah, what would you rate this episode out of five? Five out of five. Same. I think it's a perfect episode. It's good. Perfect episode. It's very, very good. Yep. It's a really good start to a series, especially being the first episode of not only the season, but the entire show to begin with. Uh, the important right. characters are introduced very well. Some type of mystery is established, and evil things that seem to linger around every corner are creepy enough to leave you wanting more. So it's good. Yep, it is great. So with that, we will move into the second episode, which will be uh, the last one we're talking about during this podcast episode. Season 1, Episode 2, I'll Hold Your Hand. Originally aired on October 18th of 2016 and received about 630,000 viewers and was written by Nick Antosca as well as Don Mancini on this one. Mm. So we kick off episode two with an old graying man staring at the tree filled with lifeless bodies. Uh, that's pretty much like that's not happening real time, which it did confuse me a couple times. That's like what happened in the past. Right. But that immediately transitions into a new episode of Candle Cove, speaking directly to Katie this time, and it advises her to go to the cave, which, again, mystery. But right after this, we head back to the trees, and we get interrupted by a news bulletin. The anchor tells us that four children were, that were previously missing have now been found dead in the branches of some local trees. Oof. And again, this, was, this happened like a long time ago. Yeah, like in the 80s. Yeah, I couldn't tell couple times i thought it was happening like now i was like is this happening now <laughs> mere seconds later we hear screaming from the other room in jessica and gary's house which ends up being the scream of their son dane what happened to dane james katie gutted him with a hook she didn't gut him but she did stab him pretty good she did fuck him up i mean he, <laughs> he got stabbed by a hook at the hands of his sister he got the fuck stabbed out of him why do her parents let her have ac access where did she get a hook i don't even fucking know bro like where'd you get captain hook's arsenal <laughs> i don't get it like where did you find this yeah, it don't make no sense. But after the incident, Jessica and Gary go to the hospital, and while they're waiting, Jessica calls Mike and asks him where she could have found a hook. She also asks if he's connected. I don't think he even knows whether or not he's connected. No. Like, I think he does, but he's also unsure of himself. I feel like he's doubting himself. Well, I think he also genuinely thinks that he could just be crazy. Yeah, I think he could just be crazy. Because, you know, he's a he's also a psychologist. I don't know how much we talked about that True. Uh, already, but, like, he's a psychologist. He's a man of science. There's always, you know, a logical answer to everything. Like, he, he saw some crazy things that seemed to be supernatural happen to him as a kid, and he spent the rest of his life proving that the supernatural doesn't exist, essentially. That's fair. So there's a part that I kind of want to just uh, mention for later because Mike meets up with his mother after learning the news and she says that child wouldn't hurt anyone, referring to Katie who just hooked someone. So maybe she would hurt someone because she just hooked someone. Um, she did. And then she says it's starting again, isn't it? And basically agrees to help her son with like his private detective stuff. But when she like 
I know when she says it's she's starting again, isn't it? I guess she's probably referring to like maybe the kids and trees and stuff like that and people going missing. Right. But like when you say something like that, it almost seems like she's referring to like the TV show and stuff. But she just said last episode like, hey, that shit wasn't real. Yeah, I don't. She seems a little too bought in already. (laughs) Yeah, 100 percent. I was like, you just said it wasn't real. And now you're like, okay, let's go. Let's do this. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, can we just talk? I, I, I guess the next the next part is uh, is Marla going to the TV station, right? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Is there anything before that? No, not really. Like, I mean, we just see that people like Gary and Tim are very skeptical of Mike's character, and they're starting to hate him and whatnot. And conflicts. Really, that's it. Yeah, we can go over to the yeah to the station. Cool. Well, like Marla's gonna go to this public access TV station to to ask about Candle Cove. And I just I, I want to take one little second to just talk about the fake TV show that they had to create for this TV show, which is based off of, you know, the details that they gave in the creepypasta of like, oh, this is the ship. It looked like this. It it was called the laughing stock and like all these little details and how they turned that into something real, like the real fake show that we see is really fucking cool. I want to watch it. I would so watch it. Yeah, I mean, like, whether it was the fan-made one from this little bald guy who's, like, getting his jollies off from (laughs) showing this uh, movie to Marla, or it's, like, the actual one that, that, you know, Katie's watching and everyone else is, like, reminiscing about. I want to watch the show. Like, I wish they would, like, string, edit together some of that stuff that you filmed and, like, make a couple episodes and let us watch it. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Or if they just did a side series where they're like, this is Candle Cove. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, it's, like, it's definitely a really cool idea, and I would love to see it, like, come into fruition, even though I don't think that'll ever happen. No, it won't. It's just because we love puppets too much. Yeah, I do love puppets. (laughs) So she goes over, and she's talking to this guy, and she's like, hey, uh, hey, bald man in this dark room. Do you know about Candle Cove? And he's like, you know what? I have a recording of Candle Cove. You want to see something cool? So he takes her to the back room to show it to her. And this dude, like, he looks like a freak while he's showing it off. Like, he... He is terrified. Dude, he's jizzing in his pants, and he's, like, watching her, just, like, waiting for her reactions. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna come harder when you fucking see this next scene. And it's it's repulsive. Like, it's pissing me off. Yeah, so he essentially made a fan film. And the only reason she even figures that out is because, like, she's watching adamantly. She's like, okay, so this is the show that they've been talking about this whole time. I guess it is real, blah, blah, blah. But then a cat, like, walks through the screen set, like, the on-screen <laughs> set. And then she turns around, and she sees the very same cat behind her in real life. And she, looked, <laughs> like, looks at him and goes, what gives, buddy? You made this? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, it's amazing, huh? And on my side of things, I'm thinking... How amazing is it when you couldn't even do a reshoot of your cat walking through the fucking shot? <laughs> this is a piece of shit, like, production-wise. You took so much time to, like, replicate the set and maybe even hunt down original uh, puppets and make your own version of the ship and all this stuff, but you couldn't just, like, do another take? I mean, come on, dude. <laughs> just do a reshoot. <laughs> You can't boast about this when, like, at a production oh, standpoint, man. this is a giant piece of shit. This is literally like me, me being like, hey, 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 I have this, I, I make this podcast. You should listen to this podcast. And it's just me, like, monologuing by myself into my phone. And there's <laughs> static just, like, playing in the background. 
Just loud static. Yeah. <laughs> it's just me, like, in the car. So you just hear, like, traffic. Yeah. And, like, fucking, like, ice cream truck. <laughs> this is so aggravating. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, 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 isn't it so good? You should listen to it. It's so good. And then Marla goes, so this isn't something you heard about? This is something you saw in 1988? And then he goes, well... You had to find it. Like, it was some kind of dead channel at the end of the signal. It was unrecordable, something in the signal. And then he goes, oh, you know, well, you know, the signal's messed up. I swear to God, he says signal like seven times in a row. Pirate signal for a pirate show. So aggravating. (laughs) So back to Mike. He finally speaks to Katie, who's being real, uh, creepy? She's being creepy. Yeah, she's terrifying. She's being a weird little fuck. But her father, Gary, pulls Mike away for a second to have a talk with him. And within the small time frame of Mike and Gary walking away for like two seconds, the weird tooth guy just somehow gets in the hospital. I don't know if this was real or not. I don't know what he did, but I he's don't there. Know. We just see him on the like security camera, and it's fucking terrifying. It is a lot. But like, <laughs> if that did happen, did no one notice a tooth guy just like walking on all fours I throughout the know. hospital halls? Like that's that's that is a major question for probably the whole show. Like, is are people seeing these? Are they physical? Like, are they real? Can people see the tooth? Kid? Yeah, and even like the other ones too, because sometimes you'll see the skull person or the pirate people like pop out in like in the forest or in real life, and it's like, are are you real? Right. I don't know, man. I, I, I just... is that is that actually there? Is it just in Mike's head? Well, it can't just be in Mike's head because Mike's not looking at the security camera. I, as the audience, am looking at the security yes. camera. So why can I see it? But apparently, no one else can. I think it's just a way for them to be like, "Hey, look, scary." Yeah, I think so. But I don't know. Maybe they're actually but there's, there. There's no. There's <laughs> there might be no uh, lore explanation for for those scenes. I don't think so. So, what did you think about the short scene where Amy, the cop, got all weird about a parent saving their kid's teeth? Is that something that sounds, like, super taboo or unheard of to you? Um, no, but it is fucking weird. I can see, like, I can see, I guess, but she, I feel like she was acting like that was something she'd never heard of before. I'm sure that certain people, some people probably have never heard of that. I think that it is a very weird, creepy thing that white people do. And I have a feeling that, like, a lot of people with other cultures would think that that's really fucking weird. You know, I don't, I know that my father did that. I don't know if it was at, like, the advisal of his white wife or, like, if that was something that he just, like, chose to do on his own merit. I think it's fucking weird. I have not kept any of Jonah's teeth, nor will I. What do you do with them? nothing just throw him away he he does whatever he wants to do with them I don't know (laughs) I don't think he saved any he probably just throws them away see I do think it's a little weird but at the same time I also collect weird things so I feel like tooth like teeth would be that that would be something cool to add to a collection actually I think it's less weird if you have teeth that aren't yours or someone that you know I think I think that's less weird I think either way it's cool I think if you have your own teeth or like your children's teeth or, like, your family's teeth, that's weird to me. But, like, I would totally buy, like, a, a necklace with, like, a real tooth on it. Okay, like, well, I, I see. I'm totally down for that. <laughs> I think that's stupid. <laughs> or I would totally get, like, a bowl of real teeth. Like, if someone, if there was just, like, if I could just buy, like, a bag of teeth and put them in a bowl and just, like, have them sitting out, like, I would totally do that. Look, that's cooler, but the thing you said a second ago about putting a tooth on a necklace, I've kissed men, and that's way gayer than me kissing men. 
That's fine. I'm wearing a chain right now. Like, call me gay all you want. I don't give a shit. <laughs> you wear a shark tooth necklace, you fucking surfer douche? No, I want to wear a <laughs> tooth of, like, a fucking, like... Could you imagine if you had, like, Jeffrey Dahmer's tooth? Why would I want to wear Jeffrey Dahmer's tooth? Because you'd be like, this is a tooth that chewed a penis. That is Could so much weirder than keeping... That's fucking crazy. I bet if I put up a poll, people would say that keeping your children's teeth or your own teeth is much less weirder than idolizing Jeffrey Dahmer's tooth and wearing it on your neck. Oh, I don't think so, man. I don't think so. Man. Like that's it's like a famous tooth. It's a part of history. James, can you stop? It, it witnessed it witnessed some shit. You know what my teeth have witnessed? Fuck all, bro. <laughs> Way too many ho-hos. I hate this conversation. <laughs> anyway, he ends up on a phone with his on the phone with his daughter, Mike that is, cuz Mike has a daughter. We didn't mention that. He's also divorced and whatnot. Obviously, Mike can't see what she's looking at, but on our side, it seems like she's looking down a dark hallway with, like, a fucking demon in it. <laughs> like, like her, his daughter's not going through good things. Yeah, she's seen a lot. She's also saying a bunch of terrifying stuff, just like Katie is. She's being a creep, just like her. But then she cuts it off real fast. Like, I don't remember what she's saying, but she's basically saying something terrifying and then, like, in a creepy voice. And then she just starts speaking like a normal child real fast. She's like, so how was your day, Daddy? It's like, wait, what? Didn't you just tell me that a demon was about to come and eat my face off? Yeah, way worse. Don't do that. I don't like that. I would rather she continued being creepy. <laughs> it's somehow less terrifying. So after this, Mike goes to Marla once more to tell her about the picture that he found because he found like this uh, crayon-drawn pirate ship in the hospital that he was like, I'm pretty sure Katie drew this. Yeah, and what, like in the background or something is the uh, the concrete factory, right? Yeah, that's where they're like walking toward the for like through the forest looking for whatever the hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he also says that Katie mentioned the possibility of a boy out at the crow's nest, which is like their old hangout spot. And we get some mother-son conflict during their walkover, but that doesn't last very long because they come across some big old buildings that Mike decides to go inside of, the one you were mentioning right now. While he's in there, we see some flashbacks of him as a kid in the same building, but with his twin, Eddie. And as he continues on and it goes between rally and flashbacks, he ends up at a hole in the wall. The same kind of hole in the wall as the one in No Exit. I think... <laughs> I think they reused the set. <laughs> People that haven't seen No Exit are like, what is this joke? Why is this so funny? The best part is, is I almost made a No Exit joke earlier. I swear to God. Dude, it's the same hole in the wall. Like, I swear to God, it is the same exact hole. <laughs> I'm I'm so positive they reuse oh, this. Oh god, that's so funny. I also love uh whenever whenever Mike first starts going in there or whatever, Marla just goes, "Shouldn't you call Gary?" Like, no. Why would I? Why? No, bitch. Why would I ever want to be around Gary when I don't absolutely have to be? Oh yeah. Mike finds some crazy shit in there. Yeah, I would say that through this hole he finds his uh dead brother's corpse. Yeah, or at least what seems to be his dead brother's corpse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I guess I would assume that's what it is. That's true. I guess we'll get to that. Um, so yeah, he finds that corpse, and it's not too great. He also has a little flashback of Mike holding the hook. Yeah, yeah. Or one of the twins holding. The... He has this little flashback of him holding a hook over Eddie. Yes, it's definitely implied to be Mike holding a hook over Eddie. And immediately after they discover the body, the ambulances and police and all the other officials arrive at the scene, and cop Amy thinks that the body was preserved in a religious way. Interesting. Which kind of does seem, it looks like a mummy. Yeah, it's very, uh, very well preserved. And things also just get, like, really sad when we cut back to the painter house and we see Marla just 
hysterically crying in the corner because her son's body was just found. Yeah, it's pretty rough. But it's okay, because Frances Booth is going to come over and help her out with her mental. <laughs> I don't even know why she's friends with her. Frances Booth. She's terrifying. <laughs> she is. She is terrifying. We don't like her. But as for Mike's mental... Not going so good, dog. There's some wooden pirate dude with big teeth popping up next to him in his bed, telling him cryptic things. I mean, you you never want wooden people popping up next to you in your bed. I mean, I don't knock it till you try it. Wait, wait a second. <laughs> Maybe you do. <laughs> so after this little episode, Mike sits down with his mother at the kitchen table to have a heart-to-heart. He goes, hey, mom, got to talk to you. And pretty early on in this conversation, he goes, do you fucking love me? Do you love me? Which you already know, like, if the conversation starts off like that, <laughs> it's not going to go over well. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, yeah, of course, dude. I love you. I love you a lot. That was just a fluffer question because Mike is, goes, <laughs> this is such like, <laughs> this is the worst transition ever. He goes, so mom, you know how my twin, your son, died? She goes, yeah, 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 I remember that. Terrible. Just cried over it right now in the other room. Do you hear that? It's crazy. Yeah, well, about that, Mom. I killed him and I buried him in the woods, but someone must have found his body and moved it because they never found it when they searched the woods. And when I went over here into this little hole through the wall, I didn't think I was going to find his body. I killed him a while ago and I definitely buried him. That's a lot. That's a lot to take in. That's a lot to just drop on your mom at a kitchen table dinner after there's a lot going on and you it's just so much it's so much maybe you could have told her that later or maybe not told her you could have not told her maybe never say that to anyone <laughs> ever in the world never repeat that. don't even think it again i mean what's the what's the statute of limitations on just straight up fucking murder right i don't know but gary is gonna take him to the station with he's not going to take him to the station actually he's going to tell him he's going to take him to the station soon yeah we're not we're not there yet that'll be the next episode right and no that's this episode it's the end of this oh, one. That, oh okay okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah so we'll get there in like a second gotcha so when marla hears this she's understandably annoyed and tells him to leave but mike is like wait there's more and he tries to like grab her and like stop her from leaving but she grabs a knife and just slices his hand before leaving the room which Yikes. fair oof I get it. She's like, you know what? I don't want to hear this anymore. And she's not even like, I feel like she's underacting. She's like, just just leave. Just leave the house. And he's like, no, I have to tell you more details. You know what? It was a fair slice. Yep. So back at the hospital, Jessica is making her rounds, going from room to room, reading to her children before bed. And Mike falls asleep in the chair on the other side of things. I guess that thing of her reading, it's just, I guess I just wrote it down because I was like, oh, that sucks. Both your kids are in a hospital. Whatever. Mike falls asleep in a chair and is still dreaming about his life before murdering his twin brother when Gary knocks on his door and asks Mike to come to the station. And then when Mike asks for why, Gary explains that Mike's mom told him some, uh, some peculiar things. Mom's a snitch. Yes, she is. So we flash back to the twins watching Candle Cove, and on the way to the station, Mike says, He wanted to be mayor. That Eddie. That Eddie wanted to be mayor. He said we could take turns. No one would ever know the difference. And then Mike notices that Gary missed the turn toward the police station. He's like, hey, uh, you missed that turn, bud. But Gary doesn't respond. Don't like that. Don't like it at all. So let's go ahead and finish this off. The end of the episode is weird. Frances Booth is weird. Oh, yeah, she is. Dude, she's standing at the end of, like, oh my God. the entrance Stop. to a forest. I don't, even, I don't even think I want to hear you talk about it. 
I don't even want to talk about it. She's oh. clicking her tongue, and she's like calling out into the woods for Teeth Dude, and then Teeth Dude crawls up on all fours, just pulls up and starts eating teeth out of her hands. Yeah, all those weird noises. Oh, God, it's so bad. It's so fucking gross. It's like when you're at a petting zoo, you know, feeding the fucking goats and shit. She's doing Ugh. that with teeth to this teeth man. With teeth to a teeth man. That's weird the thing, energy, too. bro. Why does the teeth man eat teeth? I don't eat things that look my, my own skin. That's weird. Why does the teeth man eat teeth? I don't know, but the teeth man does eat teeth. That's the end of this episode. <laughs> Yikers. Uh, three out of five. Really? Yeah, I thought this one drip, dropped just a little bit. I think it did. I don't know, three out of five. I'd say four. Okay. I still really liked it. I'd give it a four out of five. I do think it dropped a little bit, but not as much. I mean, it was fine. We didn't have any kills in this one, really. I mean, we had Eddie's corpse, but that's right. about it. To be fair, we, we originally were talking about doing this in uh, two parts. So yes. I watched all three. I watched the three first episodes and then like did all my notes and rated them kind of together. So gotcha. like. So, like, I, I feel like this one really dips down, and then it comes right back up on three, okay. um, in my opinion. And so, like, when I was looking them at those three together, that's probably why I put it down to a three. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's still good. There's still good stuff, and there's still shit that is creepy as fuck. It's creepy as fuck. It's a creepy as fuck show, which is awesome. Yeah, 100%, and I am excited to talk about the rest of these, but this is going to be where we are ending off this discussion for right now. Uh, This is, like I said earlier, this is the first of a three-parter, so we'll be getting into episode three and four on the next episode, and then five and six, and then, yeah, we'll finish this thing off. Candle, candle, go, go. So, yeah, man, uh, Channel Zero, Candle Cove. If you guys want to check it out and you guys want to, like, watch along and follow along before the next episodes, um, it is on Shudder. Um, you can watch it on, like, Amazon Prime on Shudder or on the Shudder app itself. And, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd suggest go watching it. It's a good show. Give it a shot. So a big thank you again to Jessica on Patreon for picking this series. Um, and, again, I just want everyone to know that this isn't a thing that I normally do on the show. It was a special project brought up to me by Jessica, and I was interested in experimenting. It took a good amount of time to accomplish, and for that I want to thank Jessica for being patient while we worked behind the scenes. So again, thank you, Jessica, for your generous donations and for giving us a new thing to do on the show. Um, I'll do a fuck, Mary kill at the very, very end of all this. Okay. That's fair. So if you want to be heard and acknowledged on the show, you can send in a horror movie-related question or story to us. Either write down a question and send it to horrorsoupyahoo.com or record a two- to three-minute story on your phone and send it to, again, horrorsoupyahoo.com. And if you enjoy the show, leave a five-star review because it helps a lot and it helps us get on the Spotify charts and stay on the iTunes charts. And we might even read your review on the show if it's clever enough. I do a ton of bonus content exclusively on the Patreon app and you can be a part of it. It's all on patreon.com slash horrorsoup. And if you don't know or lit or don't listen yet, I host another horror movie podcast called Scream with an exclamation point at the end. It's me and Ash and Elena, who you may know from Morbid a True Crime Podcast. And if you're looking for more horror content from me and my friends, you can find Scream on any audio streaming platform. The best ways to keep up with everything Horror Soup and Night Shift Video are to follow the Instagram at Horror Soup and at Night Shift Video. Follow my Twitter at Horror Soup Sucks. Follow our Letterbox Movie Reviews at Horror Soup Caleb and at Night Shift Video. And uh, guys, show some love to James. He did a lot of work for this episode and for the next few episodes, so follow all of his social media accounts, listen to his podcast, because he puts a ton of love into everything he does in the world of horror, and tell them where else you can find you, James, if I miss anything. Nope, that's it. Night Shift Video. Night spelled N-I-T-E. Thanks so much. 
perfect. And thank you to Ross Lee for supplying the show with intro and outro music. And uh, with that, we will sign off. Bye. Grubs up, baby, grubs up. Give me harasu, give me, give me harasu. Give it, give it harasu. Harasu. You like some bread? I'll do you a slice with a pinch of salt. It'll taste really nice. You've done really well, cause this stuff tastes just like hell. Swallow it down, it'll fill up a hole. Stick out your tongue and lick out your bowl. We're having a bite with creatures of the night. Grubs up, baby, grubs up. Give me hard soup, give me, give me hard soup. Give it, give it, grubs up. Baby grubs up, give me horror soup, give me, give me horror soup, give it, give it horror soup, horror soup. Horror soup will keep you well fed, its gorgeous smell could wake the dead. Vegetable is just forgettable, if your energy's low you know what to do. Simply double on down some of the spooky Give it, give it, grubs up, baby, grubs up. Give me horror soup, give me, give me horror soup. Give it, give it, horror soup, horror soup. Let me be your Sweeney Todd, your private chef. I'll be your just dessert. You can even drink it from a cup. I'll do the washing up, I'll do the washing up. I'm getting full. Give me horror soup, give it, give it horror soup, give it, give it horror soup.